Hey there, this is Carrie Schaefer, also known as author Carrie Ann King, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Secrets, where I get to take you off the page with the people who make the books we all love to read. Tell Me Your Secrets is produced from live stream video and is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air, Global Radio Broadcasting Network. Hey everybody, Carrie Ann King here today with another edition of Tell Me Your Secrets. And honestly, I'm on hiatus, but I had to come back for this guest because I was so excited to have the opportunity to talk to Karen White that I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do an extra one because um, how fun. A uh, little bit. Uh, hi, Karen, first of all. I hi, Carrie. Awkward. Thanks for having me tonight. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Um, Karen is the New York Times and USA Today a best-selling author of 29 books. Um, is it 30 now, Karen? With the... I think it is 30. I think this is my 30th. Yeah. This is 30, including the Trad Street series, The Last Night in London, Dreams of Falling, The Night the Lights Went Out, Flight Patterns, The Sound of Glass, and A Long Time Gone. She is the co-author of All the Ways We Said Goodbye, The Glass Ocean, and The Forgotten Room, with New York Times best-selling authors Beatrice Williams and Lauren Willig. She grew up in London, but now lives with her husband near Atlanta, Georgia. So what an impressive bio for starters. I don't know if it's impressive or just a little alarming. I can't believe I've written 30 novels. I never thought I'd write one. So this is a little bit alarming. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a shock. A little bit of a shock. So what was the first one? Which was your first book? My very, very first book was a book called In the Shadow of the Moon, and it was published in 2000. Very small publisher, um, but it was very popular. Um, it sadly it went out of print very, very quickly. Oh. Um, I, but you know what? The good thing is that now every single one of my 30 books is currently in print. Uh, my current publisher, Penguin Random House, uh, repurchased the rights for my yes. first books and then re-released them. Um, so yes, you can now get a copy of every single book I've ever written, including the first two that they just put together in um, a double volume called called Spinning the Moon. <laughs> Spinning the Moon. What a, what a great title! And I, I know I because it was it it was in the shadow of the moon and um, whispers of goodbye. So they, yeah, yeah, that's it's great. great. I mean, it's a it's a double volume, and people get to you know discover Karen White and and her origins <laughs> with that with that that single in book. Her origins right back at the beginning, but Penguin. <laughs> I like to call it random penguin just because right, yes, we just, like to call it too random penguin. <laughs> random penguin. It just sounds so much more fun. I, <laughs> I like fun. I want to see the I want to see the logo of the random penguin. <laughs> <laughs> I used to actually I played with that. I was with Penguin at the time what they were acquired or not acquired, but did the merger and, and I right. had this weird little penguin ornament <laughs> thing that I called random penguin and I started taking him around and taking pictures. So I had fun with that. Um, I was struck by your bio that it said that you grew up in London because I hear absolutely no trace of an accent. No, and I, I'm very good at accents and I could fake just about anything. I mean, my parents are both from the deep South. I could fake that accent really well. So I went to the American School in London, which is a bunch of expatriates, but also a lot of international people uh, from, you know, all over Europe, uh, pretty much all over the world. So 
um, yeah, I grew up with people from all sorts of different backgrounds and I can imitate accents. Um, I, you know, when I'm um, down South visiting family, I have more of a Southern accent. When I'm, you know, up in New York, I have more of a, you know, not a New York accent, but more like, you know, just a, like broadcasters, you know, you can never really tell where they're from because they, their accents sort of get melt, you know, um, toned down, I guess, as right. they get older. And, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a beautiful, it's, you have a lovely speaking voice. So the okay. next question on that with the accent, do, do you have, when you get stressed, do you have one that tends to pop out or is this? Just yes. Like I'll, you know, um, it'll be the British accent. I, I don't know what, like the Cockney one or, right. or the posh one, depending on, you know, what I'm feeling. <laughs> um, but yes, I, you know, I'll talk to myself in a foreign, in a different accent. I think that's, I think that's really normal. I used to laugh. I worked, um, one of my many, many careers that I've been in, I worked as a nurse in a clinic and one of our receptionists, um, normally you couldn't tell, but when she started getting stressed and she made announcements, the Southern would really, really come out and uh, I'd go check on her. I'm like, you are having a bad day. <laughs> so, wow, yeah. so it's so fun. Let's talk about Trad Street because it is just, first off, when I first became aware of you as an author, I think I was looking for com comparative titles for one of mm -hmm. my books, and I fell in love with your cover, the broken glass cover. Right? Oh, the, oh, the sound of glass. Yeah, the sound that, of, yeah, it's just yeah, beautiful. It is. That is one of my favorite covers. And that was like the first cover they sent me. It was like, done. It's beautiful. Yeah. Right. So you were, or do, right, um, as part of your author self, um, women's women's fiction basically i guess mm -hmm. we would call it uh, yeah, psycho, fiction. yeah right. all my books are set in the south so i call it southern women's fiction because it I sort of has that. that you know the southern families the southern towns that that right. kind of thing yeah. and then you have the trad street stories so first off yeah. tell us a little bit about um trad street so what is going on with this series what's the the premise and well, in the very, very first book, The House on Tragedy, that came out in 2008, that's when we meet our heroine, our protagonist, who is, um, it's first person, so this is really her series, uh, Melanie Middleton, um, in the first book. So we know we know three things about her right off the bat. One, she um, is very OCD. Two, she's a realtor specializing in historic real estate in Charleston. And three, she hates old real estate and old houses, even though they are her bread and butter, because she can communicate with dead people. And um, every old house she's ever had to deal with always comes with a, a restless spirit or two or three who need her help in solving unfinished business or a mystery. And of course, she these spirits have been bothering her since she was a child. So the way she reacts to block them out is just singing an ABBA song very, very loudly. Um, <laughs> Which there, there's a scene in this book that just cracked me up because she's in a museum. Um, it's an art gallery, I think. And there's there's a there's a spirit that's bothering her, and she's singing ABBA very loudly yeah. in the art gallery. I just I love this. Yes, and so that's just one of her quirks. But um, in the very first book, she goes to uh, um, a beautiful old house, very rundown on Trad Street in the, you know, south of Broad, gorgeous, very desirable neighborhood in Charleston. And uh, to visit an old man 
who he has no family to leave his house to, and he's getting ready to move into a nursing home. And so he wants to give her the listing or she thinks she's there to get the listing for his house. Um, but while she's there, she sees the spirit of his mother, Louisa Vandross. Now, Louisa Vandross disappeared in 1929, and the rumor was that she ran away with a lover, but um, her son and husband never believed that she would have abandoned either one of them. And her son, the elderly gentleman um, who is left in the house, has been trying to prove um, that the rumor was false his whole life, but has been unsuccessful. When he realizes that Melanie has seen the ghost of his mother, he knows that here is his chance to finally solve the mystery. So he dies. We know this in the first chapter. He dies and, of course, leaves the house. What uh, may, uh, what Melanie calls uh, the goiter on her neck, uh, <laughs> leaves her the house. <laughs> and along with it, a, a housekeeper and a dog. <laughs> oh, it's, and, it's... and then we also meet, and then we meet Jack Trenum, who's a true crime mystery writer. And we meet him in the first book, and he is actually writing a book about the disappearance of Louisa Vandross. So the two of them get together to solve that mystery. Right. And it's a lot of back and forth, very similar to if you ever watched Moonlighting back in the 80s, the back and forth between um, Sybil Shepherd's character and Bruce Willis's character. Right. And there's a nice little undercurrent of romance in these yes. books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But still very family oriented because when we first, when we meet Melanie in the very first book, she's estranged from both parents. She had a horrendous childhood um, for reasons that you begin to understand. So she's estranged from both parents. She's absolutely no light, love life. She's very awkward around men and she has one friend. And of course, you know, as the, as the series goes on, you know, um, she just, you know, her heart expands and her, 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 her sphere of influence, I guess, expands. So by the seventh, um, the seventh book, there's her, fa her family has, has expanded exponentially and every, you know, she is, she has put so many spirits to rest and we've had the chance to visit so many old houses in Charleston. Um, but it's, yes, it's, a, it's been just such a pleasure, but again, a little bit of a, of, of a, a departure from my other books, although still very much Southern women's fiction. We just have the same sure. ghosts thing. Yeah. And, but, and so much fun. Now I have to ask, so this one, the new book is called The Attic. The, on Queen Street. On Queen mm -hmm. Street. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, I don't have it in front of me because it came to me on my Kindle. And although I love that, then I don't have the book to hold up. No, I know. I have a picture of it above me. Yes. <laughs> I, I see that. So, were you planning on writing this book? Because I seem to have noticed somewhere another book being called the last book on of this series. Did you right. have a time where you were planning on ending the series sooner and then? Well, it's it's so funny because when I first sold the series, they only wanted two books. Uh -huh. But when The House on Trad Street came out, it was so popular that they asked instead of two, could I do a total of four? So I said, great. So that's when I wrote the fourth book then was Return to Trad Street. That's what has the title and everything was getting tidied up. Yeah. And then I typed the end and I realized I really wasn't ready to end it. <laughs> so I snuck in a little epilogue, hoping my editor would, you know, um, take the bait. Um, and the epilogue was basically an anonymous letter from um, to a to the editor of the Charleston Post and Courier saying that they they had it on good authority that not all of the uh, dead bodies had yet been discovered on the property at 55 Trad Street. 
So of course, my editor's like, okay, how about three more? And that's how we got three more books um, in the series. So, but this is definitely the end. This is definitely the end. But I've got something else coming that I think readers will be excited to know about. Well, and we'll ask you whether you can drop clues about that in just a minute. So we're wrapping up the ends in this book. And I'm always, you know, it's funny with this series because I kind of feel like if we talk about this book, then we're giving things away for the people who haven't read earlier books. And yet we want to talk about the, the new book. So can you tell us a little bit about the premise about the, the this, this one? <laughs> right. So in the penultimate book in the series, uh, The Christmas Spirits on Trad Street, it did not end well. Um, you know, Jack and Melanie have had this back and forth for so long, and uh, it, it finally came to a head. Uh, <laughs> You know, and, and the thing, the way that Melanie has has grown up, it's it's very hard for her to trust other people. And she, she was always so independent. It's very hard for her to ask for help or rely on anybody else. And she, despite, you know, Jack telling her not to, she deliberately, you know, she definitely put herself in danger. And not only herself, but Jack ended up falling into a grave. Right. <laughs> Which I, it's so funny. I'm sorry, but I just, I have a dark twisty sense of humor and I know, I know. And he breaks it, you know, but, but that was kind of the last straw for him. And, um, you know, he says, I love you, but I can't live with you. And um, they basically, he walks out on her at the end of the Christmas spirits on Trad Street. So we start the attic on Queen Street with lots of things going on. So there is a mystery, a holdover mystery from the last two books where we have uh, Melanie's uh, dear friend, um, Veronica, um, who is asking for her help in solving the the mystery of her sister's murder. Uh, Her sister, Adrian, was a freshman at the College of Charleston when she was um, brutally murdered. And her killer has has gone free all of these years, but she knows that the ghost of her sister still haunts the Victorian house on Queen Street where they were where they grew up, and she wants Melanie to help her um, solve that that mystery. Also, Melanie is desperate to get back together with Jack, and she's trying to figure out a way uh, to do that. And at the same time, they have a um, she has a teenage stepdaughter who is about who is looking at colleges, uh, getting ready to go to go away. And then they have their toddlers, um, JJ and Sarah, who are 18 months. Um, one of the, the little girl may or may not be able to see dead people. And then, you know, the whole cast of characters that, that have grown, uh, you know, around them. Oh, and then at the same time, a, um, um, they have uh, a, a, a cistern has been uncovered in the backyard, and during excavation, they have somehow found a grave of a young girl, and uh, the ghost of that young girl has decided to make her presence known in the house and is trying to warn uh, Melanie's stepdaughter Nola that she is in danger. So, and I know there's other ghosts, there's like so much going on. There's so much going on and it's so delightful. So this is my favorite. I love, I love paranormal stuff. I write as Carrie Schaefer, I have a weird, very quirky series of a paranormal investigator in a retirement home. Oh, I love it. 
which is just so much fun. And I love yeah. the quirky characters, which you do just so beautifully. So I need to talk a little bit about Mel. Um, you mentioned that she's OCD. So what this means, um, readers, if you haven't read any of this yet, she spreadsheets and everything all carefully, all planned out. And the people who know her and love her will find ways to try and get around her spreadsheeting everything. And label um, her label gun, you know. She and her label gun, yeah. yes. And also one thing I loved about her is that she loves sweet things. So she's always eating desserts, which I is you know one you of the chair. Yeah, one <laughs> of the children, rather than having a blankie, sleeps with a whisk. <laughs> I do. Um, <laughs> I just these things just delight me. They 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 light me up. So we have an old house. We have ghosts. We have antique things. We have these wonderful characters her friends and family, live and dead. Um, they're just they're just all so delightful and it's so much fun. Um, I'm sad that it's over and I came into it on the last book. So now I get to go back though and yes. read all of it. There's them, nothing so. better than discovering a series at the last book. Yeah. Then you don't have to wait in between. Right, absolutely. That's uh, Elizabeth Peters. I discovered the Amelia Peabody books. Yes. I think I picked up book four in a giveaway pile at the office. I read it mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my God. So I went back and I got to read them all from the beginning to the end. Yeah, yeah, That that's, that's the best. Um, but you know, this isn't the last we're gonna see of the characters, so. Ooh, tell us more. So, and gosh, I don't have the cover up, but I, I'm writing um, the first book in a spinoff series. Um, it's going to feature, it'll be about 10 years after this book. So Nola will have graduated from college and grad school, and she will be moving to New Orleans to, um, um, to start a new life there as she's starting a new job as an architectural historian for a civil engineering firm. And she's buying her first house. Of course, Melanie has to come and help her. It's an <laughs> old, old Creole cottage in the Marigny. Um, But the character that you met, Beau Ryan, will be a main character in this book because he's from New Orleans and he has the gift. Um, and Melanie has noticed in, in, in the attic on Queen Street there that there's a pair of wet footprints that follows Beau around. Right. And we find out that Beau's parents and little sister disappeared in Katrina. Uh, so, you know, there's that little mystery. So we will definitely see Beau, and, but this is Nola's series. Um, and the first one is called The Shop on Royal Street and it comes out March 29th. Ooh, so, so in the spring already we yes yes it's already, this. already written already yes and my editor bless her heart she um gave me the revisions on the day that this book came out and I was heading out on book tour which is very sweet um but I turned them in on Monday oh my goodness so this is Karen it's so delightful um that you are taking time here um if you're listening to this podcast you should know that Karen is currently on a book tour for for the book she's talking to us from her hotel room and you have revisions and oh my god my turning copy edits today for the collaboration oh this is crazy <laughs> yeah i know right oh why do they do this you know i, do I don't know i'm doing the holidays i had the same thing i had i was deadline writing when my last book came out also it's just it's crazy but it's part of the life it's what it we is. do it so so tell us about the collaboration so excited. Um, yeah, so this will be our fourth. Uh, Beatrice, Lauren, and I, um, you know, it's 
three, three writers walked into a bar and we realized we were having such a good time together. We, we started brainstorming ideas to get a, a publisher to pay for our girls trip and our bar bill. And we thought, gosh, all we have to do is write a book together. <laughs> um, and so we did. And that was uh, The Forgotten Room. And, and uh, that one actually hit the New York Times list. It was very exciting. Yeah. Um, and the books have been very popular. And so the next one is called The Lost Summers of Newport. And it is set in Newport, Rhode Island. And the, the three time periods are 1899, 1950s seven excuse me and modern day and it it involves um a gilded age mansion and a mystery within its walls that will be explored Mm -hmm. Sounds absolutely delightful. And we're almost out of time, Karen, um, talking about the attic on Queen Street, by the way, but I need to know this because you um, had begun by writing a different sort of book. What possessed you to all of a sudden decide I'm going to write a series about a character with ghosts and old houses? You know what? The, the idea of writing a series came to me first. And then, you know, I was starting to just kind of think about what, because you have to have a pretty compelling main character to carry a series. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I knew she had to be quirky and memorable. <laughs> and she is. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because um, I, I couldn't settle on anything. You know, I'd, for, I, she was going to be a police detective or, you know, and I didn't know anything about the ghost. The ghost thing wasn't part of it. And then, you know, as a writer, you know, I, at least for me, when I'm trying to think about a plot, that's when it's not going to come to me. Right. When I'm thinking about anything else, that's when it comes to me. And I was in the middle of writing another book and I was taking a shower one morning when Melanie walked into my head fully formed. I knew she was OCD. I knew she could talk to dead people. You know, I knew she was a realtor and that, and she specialized, her bread and butter was old houses, but she hated old houses because she saw dead people. And I just thought, oh, wow, that's kind of different. You know, yeah. I really like it. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the day is history. Don't... Luckily, my editor and agent, you know, let me go with it. Um, right. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. Oh, what a great story. I love when that happens. That's my favorite part of being a writer is those moments when the character or the idea just shows up from out of nowhere. That's that's the fun stuff. And, and I'm very lucky to have an editor who really trusts me as an author. You know, if I'm in love with an idea, then, then she knows that that's the idea that I need to run with. Right. Um, she doesn't try to interfere with that. And, you know, cause you have to admit, if you look at everything else I've written and then you look at the house on Trad street, it's like, what? Right. But then it was really interesting too, cause they wanted to change my name thinking that, you know, sort of like when Nora Roberts started writing as her other persona. Yeah. But then after they read the house on Trad street, my editor and agent agreed that these are still very much character driven Karen White southern fiction books so therefore i was allowed to keep my name which is great because i've had a beautiful wonderful crossover audience right right which is lovely they made me change mine so i have i have two different names and yeah life gets a little crazy so and and i love that because audiences are smart readers yeah. are smart you're out there readers i know how smart you are you know right. what you yeah. like and they don't want to be misled no. and, and but I think this was this was the right call because these Absolutely. are still very much like my other books so right. yeah Right. So this is delightful. So this is the last book in the Tread Street series. It's called The Attic on Queen Street. But there is a new spinoff series I am delighted to hear coming in March. Yeah, March so, 29th. 
Stay mm-hmm. tuned for that. Karen, where can people find you online if they want to know more? Uh, go, visit my website. I have it up here behind me, karen-white.com. And that um, on that homepage, you can sign up for my mailing list. You can pretty much read about every single book and also all the links for my social media. Perfect. I'm now on TikTok. So Ooh, very brave of you. I made an account and I looked at it. That's as far as I, got. I you know, it's, it's, yeah, I have help. I do have, um, a Gen Zer, a 23 year old helping me holding my hand through all of this. So. Very nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. I'm all there. Twitter. Um, just click on those links and follow me and That's delightful. I thank you so much for taking time to talk to me today. This was so much fun. Um, Everybody go to karen-white.com and have a look, um, find the things. And thank you for writing these wonderful books and giving me- Thank you for reading and um, thank you for having me tonight. This has been fun. You're so welcome. Bye everybody. All right, good night.